Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. What has fashion to do with theology? Does God care about what we wear? This is Christian Curious with Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser. Christian Curious is about staying curious about what is happening in the world, asking questions and seeking understanding. Now, today's topic, fashion and theology, I should state right out that um, I've always been a, a bit deliberately unfashionable. And um, so I grew up in Texas. And what you may not know about Texas is in the Dallas area and East Texas area where I grew up, fashion is very important. And just being the contrarian that I am, I have always just been unfashionable so even today i'm wearing lululemon basically which is what (laughs) i've lived in in 2020 um so um hannah i want to hear from you real quick i mean have you thought about fashion and theology yes though at the time i don't think i knew (laughs) that i was asking myself theological questions um i think the first time you may have had an experience like this at like a christian summer camp where um you know, the boys can wear or not wear whatever they want for water <laughs> activities. Right. And then the girls, I think we had to wear one pieces and shorts. And I remember being so infuriated and asking myself questions about, you know, why or right. things like that. So like the th- theological and biblical discussions have all around, uh, f- you know, clothing has always been about the modesty issue. And today we have a guest who has looked at fashion and clothing in a unique way and bringing theological um, theological ideas to bear on fashion today. Robert Covalo is the director of the Pastoral Regi- Residency, Residency Center, Christ Church in Sierra Madre. He has a doctorate in theology and culture from Fuller Theological Sem- Seminary in dogmatics and ecumenics from a university in Amsterdam. Today, Robert is here to talk about his book, Fashion Theology. Ro- Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, fashion theology seems to be a new and niche niche area. So can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to address the theology of fashion? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Yeah, I would say there's three things. I'm a pastor, I'm a theologian, and I'm a missiologist. As a pastor, um, I was pastoring people in my church who uh, were in the fashion industry. And it seemed like they didn't really know how to think about what they were doing in that industry. And And then also we have a very large fashion studies program at the university near my church. And I had students that were in that program. And when they were trying to think about what they are doing as Christians, they had no idea how how to think about it. And I didn't either. So as a pastor, I went to help those that were in my church. And then as a theologian, um, I believe Jesus is Lord of everything. And that means that Jesus has something to do with everything. And I wanted to understand how Jesus what Jesus had to do with fashion. Uh, 
And then finally, as someone that cares about reaching the world, I wanted to bring the Christian faith into conversation in areas where it was completely not even uh, uh, considered. And fashion studies is an exploding area that's actually in universities around the globe on all the continents, and it just keeps expanding. And I wanted to bring a Christian voice into this emerging field of theoretical discourse. So all three of those reasons uh, led me to um, to investigate fashion as a Christian. Well, you know, I think you managed that because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that the conversation around clothing has always been around the modesty issue. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what is fashion and how does fashion shape the world? Yeah, of course, as Christians, um, we do think in terms of modesty, and modesty is an important um, subject for Christians. We don't want to discount it um, because the way we dress does communicate our sexual availability, um, and it is a way in which we can be communicating our own sexual mores and, and ethics. And as Christians, we have very strong guidance in scripture about what our sexual ethics should be but um but there's so many other things that fashion does beyond just simply communicating in terms of our sexual ethics um you know fashion uh it it is um it is not to be the same it's not to be considered the same thing as dress we oftentimes think of fashion and dress as the same it is dress it does involve adornment but it involves something more and if you actually go into the history of um uh, of the rise of fashion, you can see that, um, you know, there's primitive dress that takes place, which is very static, and then slowly but surely fashion begins emerging. Most fashion theorists have emerged in the West. Actually, many pinpoint it to the north of Italy in the 13th century, <laughs> maybe 14th century. Uh, and, um, and so a certain kind of rapid interplay of dress that uh, ends up becoming like almost a new way of conversing. And um, you see it emerging first with the aristocracy in Western Europe. And that doesn't mean there isn't like other instances of dress operating like this um, in, in certain ways globally before this time period. But it really takes off in the 14th century in Western Europe. And then it spreads uh, globally. It spreads down into the uh, middle class. And today it is a global phenomenon. And we are all living in a fashion system. We're all living with a certain rapid interplay of dress in which we change our clothes constantly and we look at our clothing almost like a palette in which you can communicate things or which you can express yourself, which you can display yourself almost like a, uh, an art form. So that's, that's a little taste of what fashion is, is about. Hmm, right. There is a question from The Devil Wears Prada. I know. I do love that show. I do love that movie. Um, where she says that, you know, you are wearing art. And art, you know, is integrated into your life through fashion. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of us are wearing art. Some of us are wearing Lululemon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. But, but yes, it's true. Yes, I'm deliberately unfashionable. I think you look artful, you know, Haley. <laughs> we, I think it's a high. I think it's a pretty. It's a. It's a pretty ambitious thing to wear art every day. But if it's your wedding day, or if you're going to um, show up to something special, we do want to look like a piece of art, right? We do want to draw attention to the aesthetics of our body and to um, how God created us wonderfully. And and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that in certain ways, right? Um, and we are always playing with the aesthetics of everyday life. You know, the way we arrange our homes or our furnishings or 
this is part of our humanity, and um, the Bible recognizes that. The Bible has lots of things that celebrate. Um, you know, you think about, uh, uh, oh gosh, you know, the uh, Proverbs 31 woman, like she's noted not just for getting her family clothes, but they all look so good. That seems to be the point. They look good, and, and uh, you know, they're aesthetically pleasing. They're all dressed up nicely. So, uh, yeah, we can be art. But fashion, of course, operates on many registers, not just in terms of art, but that is definitely one of them. Yeah, and you know, you mention more of this concept in your book. Um, you talk about, you know, the theologian Augustine wrote that we belong to a heavenly city and also an earthly city. So since, you know, while we're on this earth, we're part of that earthly city with a unique culture. Um, you know, what does that say about, you know, if God cares about clothes or how he engages maybe with the fashion world? Yeah, yeah, I bring in various different theologians because I'm trying to give a a history of Christian thought, a kind of a sweeping history. And what's amazing there is that so many Christian theologians throughout the centuries have taken dress and fashion very serious. And of course, Augustine approaches it in terms of his two kingdoms, as you mentioned, the earthly city and the heavenly city. And he wants to embrace culture as something that is part of this earthly city um, and something that will be done away with um, when the heavenly city done it comes. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things I appreciate about St. Augustine, uh, but this is one area where I think we can amend some of his thinking. Um, culture is really what we make of creation in both senses of the word, like both conceptually and also physically. Um, and as I read the Bible, culture is not something that comes with the fall. Culture is actually something that comes from God before the fall. We are to make something of this world that's in Genesis 1, 26-27, God says to Adam, he's fruitful, multiply, follow my example, you know, do something with this world. And, um, and so I think Augustine um, uh, is not my favorite example. I don't think that we're going to be, uh, we're going to do away with clothing, and in fact, we read in Revelation, <laughs> we hope not. people are given, no, yeah, yeah, we read in the <laughs> Revelation that people are given robes to wear, and, you know, it's, um, so we don't we don't read that people are going to show up naked around the throne. So, right. <laughs> but I think Augustine, I think Augustine has a deficit there. So we can't live, we can't help but be cultural creatures. That's just part of our humanity. It's the way that God made us. And in fact, the garden that we are placed in is culture. It's, it's not just the wilderness. God actually placed human, human beings in a garden, which is a, a cultural thing. It's something that's been done to creation. And then he says, continue to do things to creation, to my glory. So I think we can, we can create and wear clothing to the glory of God. And I think we will for eternity. I think that we'll not only see and be seen, um, but we'll do it in a way that is very intentional, which is what adornment is doing. Right. This kind of reminds me of Christ and culture where um, people argue about what role the church is supposed to have in society. And what you're arguing really reminds me of Andy Crouch's um, culture making, arguing yeah. that Christians should absolutely be involved in culture and creation and creativity and artistry and demonstrate our own faith through those different areas. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that book. And I, I really like the, the way Andy developed that in that book. And I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Culture is not an option. It's the only I think in that book he says to to live without culture would be to go off into the wilderness alone 
naked and never be seen again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like it's not an option. So. Right. Yeah, I love that. Culture is what we make of creation. I wrote that down. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> but, um, you know, kind of, I guess, going back to that um, experience that I have had with fashion and theology and just, um, I guess the modesty question, you know, in your book, you mentioned several male Christian thinkers who have tried to decide what was and wasn't acceptable for Christian women to wear. And so, you know, not to bring up Augustine again, but to bring up Augustine again, (laughs) um, one of his central questions about fashion theology was whether women sin mortally in excessive adornment. So, I guess my first question in this realm is why do you think people have felt and still feel the need to make these judgment calls? Yeah, yes. I do give a genealogy of different Christian thinkers, and as it happens, women were not tasked with being uh, thinkers, um, not just theologians or Christians, but within the, within the world, <laughs> unfortunately and tragically. Um, and so if we're going to give a genealogy, then uh, it's going to include a lot of male voices. Um, and I would love to see somebody come back, and uh, of course I'm not trying to do everything in my book, and introduce issues of gender. It's a massive subject within fashion studies. And um, I purposely decided not to go into gender issues um, in the book, so I have an awful lot of thinking on that. Um, but I'd love to see somebody come back and, and, and deal with that. But I do think that these um, Christian thinkers were not simply trying to give a male voice, so to speak, about women. I think that they felt they were tasked to give a voice to all people, and that included women. I think that's how they would perceive what their job was. Um, that doesn't uh, erase possible sexism within the history of, uh, of, the, uh, of the church or anything like that. But um, So I don't think that they felt, I think they did feel they had the need to make judgment calls the thing that's amazing, though, the really interesting thing here is, uh, isn't that these theologians um, uh, made judgment calls, so to speak. Uh, that was actually just part of what every civil magistrate would have done, or anybody in a position of authority kind of had a paternalistic role within societies before, gosh, the last, I mean, 100, 200 years, in which we've kind of seen civil liberties emerging in no small part from um, the Christian faith. But what's amazing is how they don't want to make judgment calls. You know, Calvin refuses to get into the details of dress, which would have been his job when mm-hmm. he's in Geneva. He's like, I don't care. I got, I'm not going to talk about what handbags women need to have, <laughs> not have. And they, they're just like, you know what, oh, we, need, we, we need to think about this as a Christian, but they're actually not control freaks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they're actually applying their cultural theology to their cultural context. Hmm. And they're taking it very serious. And so the thing that really struck me um, as I did this research and traced all these different Christian, major Christian thinkers, is how much they had to say about fashion. And, um, and it was quite shocking, like, that they took dress so entirely serious um, because they believed that you can't really ignore this facet of human experience. It's incredibly important. And so the thing I walked away with is that, yes, we as Christians today have such a superficial understanding of dress. And in fact, if you look at the history of Christian thought, it is profound. It isn't really about men attempting to shove their views down on women. That's a very shallow reading. It's actually 
profound in which these these thinkers um, are actually grappling with the role of dress with for Christians, um, and um, and they're drawing from very unique, different theological and cultural perspectives. And so um, I wrote the book for fashion studies, first and foremost, for people that are in fashion studies, so they could see that Christianity has taken fashion serious far before the onset of this new emerging uh, discipline, and that Christianity actually has been around for uh, <laughs> over a thousand years talking about this. If, if I may, let me just give you an example. St. Augustine, um, who you just, you just commented on, says, you know, he raises this question about whether women sin mortally in excessive adornment. Yeah, he does raise this question because that was a question that Tertullian put, it, put forward, actually. He's picking that back up. But what's really interesting is Augustine, in his book on Christian teaching, actually talks about the way in which dress works as a complex signifier within advanced society, and that it, it has this kind of form of communication, of visual communication that's critical for the coherence of society. He's making that observation in the fifth century as a Christian theologian. Like, who knew that St. Augustine was the first fashion theorist? It's unbelievable. So, um, yes, the gender issue is important, but what's really astounding is, um, is how deeply and profoundly these different Christian thinkers thought about dress. You know what? I never learned that in seminary. (laughs) (laughs) And all the years. In my book, there's a lot of things that people didn't learn because you're just not looking for it. Until you actually look for it, you don't see it. And then you think, my goodness, this is all there. It's unbelievable. All the things that these Christian thinkers are, are working out, you know? Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, incredibly new, innovative research that you've done and if anyone is looking for information on, you know, how fashion and theology integrate, you know, check out his book, Fashion Theology, um, anywhere at Amazon. But, um, you know, so, you know, I've been reading it and it's so enlightening. But one question that I do have is, you know, some might say, some Christians might say, well, if we dress, you know, fashion costs money. And, you know, like... Any, any kind of clothing that we wear, it tends to be, if it's more in vogue or it's more fashionable, the more expensive it is. So some Christians might argue that um, we need to spend our money on other things, you know, for people and, for, and things like that. So what would you say to people who are hesitant to spend money on clothing because of how much it costs versus in their conflict with, you know, generosity or giving to other people? Yeah, I think it's a legitimate question, and that we as Christians have a stewardship with our resources. Um, so two things. Number one is is that it's amazing that you can actually pay attention to style without spending a lot of money. Um, I'm not saying that you should just simply get fast fashion. There's actually a lot of people that do really well at thrift shops, and um, you know, if you have a knack with style and you can get better at it, then um, I think you, you dress really well uh, on a very on a very tight budget. I would say that. And interestingly, actually, Calvin Searfield, I think, gives us a lot of um, direction on this in this whole theology of style um, in his book, Rainbows for the Fallen World. Um, but then the other thing I would say is that, yeah, those are just those kind of like judgment calls and wisdom we need about all areas of our life, not just with fashion, 
I think because fashion is oftentimes identified with conspicuous consumption, we immediately think in terms of um, uh, the issue of vanity and um, just being uh, superfluous with our money. And, um, and of course, we do need to be just, yeah, we need to be stewards and we need to think it through, as with every other area of our life. Um, but there is a place for joyful dress, as it says in Ecclesiastes, let your garments always be white. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the idea there is, like, dress your best, enjoy life, celebrate life. Like, every day is a gift from God. And, yeah, sometimes we get into the Lululemon rut, no offense. Right. <laughs> You know, embrace You're not going to let me go, are you? I'm not. <laughs> you put it out there. Embrace every day as a gift from the Lord. And I think part of that is dressing up to that day and celebrating that day. You know, I know there are days where you're, you're, we're rushing around and we just got to put something on because we got to get out the door. But if you can, to take a few minutes and to actually dress with a certain, like take time because it's a form of hospitality for everybody that has to look at you every day. (laughs) And it's a way of loving people and it's a way of celebrating life. And uh, and so I think there's a a place for us to dress with celebration, even if we we don't have a lot of money to spend on it. If If you go to some countries and some cultures, I know in Africa, you'll meet people that have very little very few resources, but they dress so beautifully, you know, and you're like, wow, that's amazing, just uh, the way in which they're able to do that, and I think it glorifies God. I love that, celebrating, that idea of celebrating, but with, through what we wear, I feel like I have to ask. I'm telling you're not going to wear, I'm telling you're not going to wear Lululemon tomorrow. I don't know. The draw is really strong in, during a pandemic. Yeah, Lululemon is high-class athleisure, you it, know? You know, it really is. I mean, you know, yeah, I budget yeah, for it, nice. but I but that's what I choose to budget for. So I guess you could budget for, you know, you could still have your giving and then budget, you know, analyze your finances and understand this is what I can spend and then be creative in that process. Right. And do- yeah, that's right. I have to ask what your style is, if you had to visually describe it, since we can't see you right now. Oh, that's funny. Um, you know, I I really enjoy lots of different styles, and uh, I'm a pastor, and uh, and I so I like to I like to dress for the occasion, um, and sometimes I like to dress in a way that really you know you can really shape kind of the social engagement with the way you're you're wearing. If I'm doing something that is, I'm trying to be more professional, then I try to dress nice like that. I do dress, I don't know, gosh, it's kind of weird. No one ever asked me that question. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of pressure on me, you can imagine. You know, you go to academic conferences or whatever, and people immediately look at you like, okay, there's the fashion guy, what's he wearing? And you think like, I don't know, I was in a rush. I have, you know, I don't have Lululemon, but the equivalent. And um, so... uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, right now I'm wearing uh, jeans and a button-up shirt with a, a Banana Republic sweater and some some sneakers. So, and I'm in my back office, and yesterday I wore a vest and some boots. And <laughs> but I like to do it. I like, I love fashion. I, 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 it's amazing. And I, I just, you know, there's some people that are more creative and more interested in, in the aesthetics and some that are less, and that's okay, too. There's... There's always the engineering nerd that doesn't care. That's okay. Right. I mean, fashion, I feel like, is a reflection to some degree of your personality, and that's what makes it fun. So, um, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
Haley and I, we work with the Kaleo Project at Denver Seminary, which assesses the relationship between young adults and the church and, um, you know, what draws young adults to the church or maybe repels them. And so we're interested in asking questions about how these matters affect that generation. So um, Mm -hmm. we saw that you, you know, you worked as an associate young adult pastor for some years. And are there any implications that you would say fashion theology might have for young adults specifically? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and what's amazing is I think our theologians actually give us a lot of um, insight into this. But one of the things I would say is to dress in a way that's culturally engaged. You know, their culture is a unique culture. It's going to have, you know, generations, they they define themselves within subcultures. And I think that, you know, God reaches us within the cultural warp and woof. And so I think that they should pay attention to their, their culture and the styles that are uh, a part of their culture, and it's okay to, to uh, dress in a way that isn't is culturally engaged within their generation. Um, and I'd also encourage them to dress in a way, though, that's hospitable, because I know that um, uh, oftentimes dress can become very self-focused, and you, you can really love people by dressing in a way that is inviting and warm and welcome. And I think, uh, you know, Aquinas, think, uh, get into how Aquinas talks about this, you know. Um, and then I would say, I would encourage them to dress in a way that is, um, uh, uh, that is a little bit, it might be culturally engaged, but it's also not afraid to push against the culture. Um, particularly, I think youth culture is getting more and more um, immodest. And I mean, it's crazy stuff that people are wearing these days. And, and you know, we need to be unashamed of our faith and not afraid to be different from the world around us. And so, and we can do that in ways that are creative and engaging. And Abraham Kuyper actually, in a speech uh, in the 19th century, um, encouraged his audience to not be afraid to be both modest and very, very distinctly engaged with fashion, you know? And so the modest fashion movement is something that's been taking place. And I think as Christians, we need to be unashamed about respecting ourselves and bringing dignity and class to what we do. That's awesome. Thank you, Robert, so much for sharing your research and your insights. You know, I've learned quite a lot from from your work, and I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, ladies. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I think it's wonderful that you have this kind of uh, these kind of discussions taking place um, there in the Denver area. Thank you so much, Robert. Thanks for being here today. Okay. God bless you. God bless you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Christian Curious. To find out more about us, log on to our new website at christiancurious.co. That's christiancurious.co. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or culture that you're interested in, but you've never really found a good answer for, email us at Haley at christiancurious.co or Hannah at christiancurious.co. And as always, stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.